Let's pray. Father, speak through your servant and bless your church today. Thank you for the opportunity to see the first Sunday and the second day of 2022. We know that there are many good days ahead of us. The days of good marriages, the days of good businesses, the days of prosperity, the days of good health, the days of victory. Our best days, our best days are ahead. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Please take your seat. Remember that this is our month of the supernatural. And this afternoon at 5 p.m., I am leading the whole church in prayer. 5 p.m., you are here. Join us. On Wednesday evening, I want to anoint your feet. On Wednesday evening, I'm speaking on the subject, a step in the right direction. Wednesday evening, a step in the right direction. I'll be anointing your feet and I'll be praying upon you that the Lord will order your steps. It just takes, it takes only one wrong turn in life for you to begin to suffer pain, agony, defeat, retrogression, divorce, and all manner of evil. Just one wrong turn. And I do not want that to happen to you this year. So Wednesday evening, I'm speaking on the subject, a step in the right direction. And I'll be laying hands on your feet and I'll be anointing your feet. When Friday we are fasting, we intended to hold an all night, but in view of the COVID protocols, it will still be our evening service. And we will be praying here from six. We are fasting six. We are here six to nine. Six to nine. We'll be meeting here to pray. It's going to be a night you will never forget. And then we will continue the following week the same. Then from 24th to the 31st of January, we are fasting and praying in the program called Electricity. And the theme is Advantage. So keep these spiritual exercises in your mind and make sure you are part of it. Because this year will be your best year ever. Only five people heard it. It will be your best year ever. What you can't do physically, what you are failed to do physically, it is very easy to do it spiritually. So if the physical is not working, turn to the supernatural. And that's where we are going this year. This year we are moving into the supernatural realms. Are you here? Moving the supernatural realms. In view of our team, I want to begin a series titled The Devoted. The Devoted. Everybody say The Devoted. Now, this is the logo for the year. By the time you come next Sunday, car stickers, door stickers, and things will be ready. Can we go to the next slide? Car stickers, door um, stickers, um, saloon stickers, kiosk stickers, store stickers. Everywhere you can stick this, it will be ready for you to do that. So, wholehearted devotion. 100% commitment to the Lord. So quickly, turn with me to Matthew 22. I'm reading from the verse 35 to the verse 38. Matthew 22, 35 to 38. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul 
and with all your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. There is nothing you can obey in this world that is bigger and greater than this. To love the Lord thy God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. Jesus was very specific. He knew what he was looking for. Not part of your heart. Not some portion of your life. Everything. You see, the relationship between you and Jesus is like a relationship between a husband and a wife. How many of you guys here will follow a woman who will tell you that I cannot assure you of all my love? I can give you 25% of my love and three other men will share the 25, 25, 25. The 75 left. Other men will share it. How many of you will, will, will accept that? How many of you accept this from a woman who says, okay, I'll give you 75% of my heart, but the 25% um, is for someone else, another man somewhere. How many of you women will accept a man telling you, I love you, but not with all my heart? Because my former girlfriend deserves some amount of love from me. So I will give you 90% of my love, but the 10% of it is for my former girlfriend. How many of you accept that? But you see, in our relationship with Jesus, that's the way we treat him. We know that Jesus, the love of Jesus can never be compared to any man, any woman, anywhere in the world. Yet we tell him, Jesus, we can give you 75%. There's a 25% that must love money. There is a 25% that must love myself. But this year, we want to give him all our love. How many of you are ready to do that? We want to give him all our love this year. Every single love we have in our heart. We want to give it to him and say, Lord, we love you. We just want to love you. And I want to show you how you can love him. How you can love him with all your heart. And it's not only demanding your heart, but even with your soul. The real you. And with your mind. And he's not taking part of it. He's taking full. If you give your all to Jesus, he will give his all to you. One time the Lord said to me in prayer, he said, just give me a seed and I'll give you a harvest. He said, prosperity is a Christian giving the Lord a seed for God to give him a, a harvest. He said, when you give to me, you exchange your, your riches with my riches. Are you here? God is very transactional. He wants you to give so that he can give to you. And this year, he's not asking for all your money. He's not asking for all your cars. He's not asking for all your houses. He's asking for all your heart. He's asking for all your heart. And if God is your treasure, if Jesus is your treasure, this should be very easy for you. Because where your treasure is, that is where your heart is. How many of you are here to, ready to love him? You are ready to love him. Lift up your two hands and convince me that there are people here who are ready that this year they are going to give the Lord all their heart. They are going to love him with all their heart.
Say, I am the one. Hmm. Now, in your relationship with God, you are either a faithful wife or a prostitute. In your relationship with God, you are either a faithful wife or a prostitute. So who is a prostitute Christian? Jeremiah 3, the verse 1, helps us to understand who a prostitute Christian is. But you have lived as a prostitute with many lovers. Would you now return to me, declares the Lord. So a prostitute, in your relationship with God, a prostitute is someone who loves many things in addition to Jesus. Here are the three things that can easily make you a prostitute Christian. Three things that can easily make you a prostitute Christian. 2 Timothy 3 verse 1 to 4. Can I read them for you? But mark this. There will be terrible times in the last days. And we are in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, one. Lovers of money, two. Lovers of pleasure, three. Rather than lovers of God. Three things that will make you a prostitute Christian. Number one, lover of self. Lover of self. It is very easy to love yourself. How many of you? Please, this light, can it be moved from facing me, please? The light here. I don't know why it's directly towards my direction. Okay. You are moving to another person's face. Please, if you don't know, just move it to the Lord. After all, we are giving him everything. Let's give him everything. Now, in your relationship with God, you must be in love, not in need. Anybody who follows you, who has a relationship with you, and is not in love with you, but is in need, that is why he's in love with you, you cannot be assured of the person's love. The person only relays with you when the person has a need. How many of you women here will appreciate that the only time your husband smiles with you and your husband gives you attention is that when he has sexual need. Anytime your wife respects you is when she has a need, her birthday is coming. Or she has to buy something and needs the money from you. Once you cannot meet a need, she becomes an enemy to you. In most cases, in our relationship with God, that's the way we treat God. We become the center of the relationship. We pray because we have a need. We don't pray because we love him and we want to communicate with him. We pray because we have a need. We fast because we have a need. In fact, we save him because we have a need. Lord, if I do this for you, will you do that for me? But you see, love is selfless. If you love him, you don't care whether he did something for you in 2022. No. You just love him. Whatever you are doing, you are doing it because you love him. 
Are you here? You are doing it because you love him. So don't put yourself in the center of your relationship with God. Don't do things because they benefit you. Do it for the kingdom. Don't ask the Lord, what can you do for me? Ask the Lord, what can I do for you, Lord? Your prayer should be, Lord, what do you want me to do for you? How do you want me to serve you? Lord, I am available for you. I am not available for myself. I am available for you. I want to dedicate my life to you and I want to serve you. Without you, I am nothing. And I want to acknowledge that, that everything I have came from you. And I want to dedicate everything I have to you. I want you to come to that place of deep love. Several years ago when we were young men, Dr. Mills, myself, and Brother Joe, and Dr. Mills, you can see who is now his wife, went to have lunch in a woman's house. And all of us were served during those days, poor bachelors, when you get fufu and palm no soup, you sing praise and worship. What we noticed was that this lady was in love with Dr. Mills, who is now his wife, was just taking her meat and fish and adding it to Dr. Mills. The two of us thought she was a foolish woman. But as we grew up and we fell in love, that we understood that if we are truly in love, you are selfless. Are you here? Bear my only did your bones set your head. For me, I'm too old. <laughs> he doesn't love you. <laughs> Lots of men can fight their wives over food. For me, I'm too old. Why women I'm? So women can also dish some of the food and go and hide it somewhere. And bring the small one in. And then they eat the small one with you. When you go to town, they bring the rest. <laughs> that is not love. Selflessness. Everybody say selflessness. Say love is selflessness. Now, having established the fact that you are, you are, you are the wife of Christ and he wants all of you and he wants all of your heart and then if you love any other thing, you become selfless. I want to move you. So there are three things that you must be careful. Lover of self, lover of money, and lover of pleasure. I focus on lover of self, so let me move on. Now, having established that, let me quickly show you our theme scripture for 2022. First Chronicles 28 verse 9. And you, my son, acknowledge, this is David speaking to his son Solomon. And you, my son Solomon, acknowledge the God of your father. And serve him with wholehearted devotion. With a willing mind. For the law. For the law searches every heart. And understands every desire. And every thought. If you seek him. He will be found by you. If you forsake him. He will reject you forever. A dying man. Gives his son this advice. This year. I want to give you the same advice. Don't forget this scripture. Don't forget this scripture. Don't forget this scripture. When you are dying, you'll be thinking about where your house is and where your destiny is. And you'll be telling your children, my house is here and I have a land here and I have a girlfriend here who is staying in one of my houses. Go and suck her when I die. I have a bikini bolo somewhere 
he will come give him a plot. But look at David. David was a rich man. Seriously rich man. Two things David did. He asked his son and even went ahead to pray for him. That he would serve God with a wholehearted devotion. The second thing is, do you know what David left for Solomon? He left him. David wanted to build a temple for the Lord. And the Lord said, no, no, no. Your hands, you are too bloody. Your hands are too bloody. Don't build me a temple. I will let your son build. Do you know David provided everything Solomon needed to build a temple? A man's greatness is traceable to his 100% commitment to God. You cannot pray for the blessings of David until you have the commitment of David. This year, come to that level. I want to commit my spirit, soul, and body to the Lord. 100% to the Lord. I want to dedicate my whole life to the Lord. 100%. No other way. Totally committed to the Lord devoted to him in under any circumstance wholeheartedly wholeheartedly even if i am in the valley of the shadow of death i will still share my testimony and i will still serve the lord because i know that any man that is wholeheartedly devoted to the lord the lord will bless that man are you here so let me now go to my sermon, the devoted. As you can see, I spell devoted as an, um, as an acronym, as a seven-letter acronym. The D stands for dependable. Dependable. Every devoted Christian, every Christian who is serving the Lord wholeheartedly is a dependable Christian. Now, I want to ask you some questions. They are called the dependability questions. Question number one. Can God rely on you to bring salvation to your family? To your family members this year, can God rely on you? Can God depend on you that your brother who doesn't know the Lord, that your sister who doesn't know the Lord, that your nephews and nieces who do not know the Lord, can God rely on you to bring them to the saving knowledge of Jesus? Number two, can God rely on you to bring salvation to your friends? All your friends who do not know the Lord, can God rely on you? Are you dependable enough for God to rely on you to bring salvation to your friends? Can you commit to the Lord that every week I will bring either a friend to church or I will bring a family member to church? Can you, can God depend on you? Can God depend on you? Can God depend on you to bring salvation to members of your family and to your friends? Can God Depend on you. Can he? Look at the next question. Question three. Can God rely on you to bring salvation to your colleagues in the office? We do not need to organize outreach for you to win souls. 
God has placed you in that office. You are working with that woman who does not go to church, that man who does not go to church, because because it is because of that man that God placed you in that office. You are in that office because of that unbeliever. I told you the story of a man who went with another man. They were both poor cleaners. They, this man saw the other cleaner very happy, comes to work, singing, praising the Lord. And he used to ask himself this question. In this world of pain and suffering, why is this guy always happy? The one weekend when they closed, somebody invited the other guy to church. And he went to accept Jesus. When he accepted Jesus, the joy of the Lord came to his house, to his heart. It was then that he realized that this guy is happy because he's a Christian. And I've been working with him for years and he never told me about Jesus. So he went to the back to work Monday. He also started singing and cleaning. So this other guy asked him, wow, have you gotten born again? He said, my brother, you are a wicked man. I have been working with you all these years. I used to wonder why you are happy in the midst of pain and suffering in the world. And you never told me about Jesus. Do you know how wicked you are? How uncommitted you are if the people around you do not know the Lord. And yet you don't care. You don't share the gospel with them. This year, if you are wholeheartedly devoted to the Lord, you can be dependable. Can God depend on you? How many of you here can say, God, you can depend on me? Shout loud and say, Lord, you can depend on me. Can God rely on you to bring your neighbors? Bring salvation to your neighbors? Have you ever knocked at the gate or the door of your next door neighbor and told him Jesus loves you? Did you use the occasion of the Christmas and the New Year to reach out to somebody in your community and say to the person, Jesus loves you. But know that this year, God can rely on you to bring your neighbors to the saving knowledge of Jesus. How many of you are going to target your neighbors and bring them to the saving knowledge of Jesus? Don't say, oh, they go to church. Going to church does not make anyone a Christian. I meet a lot of people, the first thing they will use to defend themselves, well, you don't preach to them, is that I go to church. Ask them, what did your pastor preach this Sunday? They will tell you, this Sunday I was not in church. Push again and say, Next, last, last two weeks Sunday, I wasn't in church. What about last three weeks Sunday? They start laughing. Because in this country, everybody is a Christian. So push and bring someone to church. Number five, can God rely on you to bring salvation to your community? Can God rely on you to serve faithfully in the local church? I want to thank the men and women who were here for almost 24 hours to be able to hold our 31st watch night service. Almost 24 hours. They were running about, some of them, midnight, 1 a.m. They were driving through Tema to make sure we can have equipment and set up for 31st watch night service. Can God rely on you to serve him faithfully? 
Immediately we closed. These same people stayed behind to make sure that the streets are cleared so that we don't offend our neighbors. Clear the street, clean the streets, the street, came back here to face. As of last night, there were still people here facing equipment to ensure that this service will come on. This year, I want you to come to that level of total commitment to the Lord. Let God depend on you for services in this church to serve Him. Be a member of a department. Join a department. Serve the Lord. Now, God is so wise, eh? That he made sure he created local churches. So that local churches can create the platforms where individuals can serve the Lord. Don't tell me I serve the Lord somewhere else. This is your local church. This is where you are supposed to serve the Lord. If you are not a lover of yourself, you will make time. Don't serve God at your convenience. Don't serve God when you have time. Don't. Don't. Though it was announced the Lord has called my sister home, my best sister, frankly. And when she was lying down sick and I was with her, as I was, I was praying for her, I knew in my spirit, of the witness in my spirit, that it is time for the Lord to call her home. But I also felt that the reason why the Lord slowed the process was because the Lord remembered how she served him when she was young. I got born again because of her. As I was praying for her, the Lord said, no, ask her to rededicate her life. At that moment, she could not even talk. But I said, sister, if you can hear me blink, she did. I said, whatever I am telling you, say it in your heart. Say it in your heart. And I led her to rededicate her life. But I said, Lord, remember how she has served you faithfully. And the Lord told me, that is why I'm calling her home at this time. Because she's now closer to me than ever. For the sake of the elect, the days are shortened. Sometimes, eh, you must have the basis to make your case before the Lord. You must have the basis to make your case before the Lord. I believe that on the basis of the service you rendered to the Lord, the Lord gave her the opportunity to dedicate her life and rededicate her life to the Lord before the Lord called her home. God is not ungraceful. To forget your labor of love. He is not ungraceful. He is a rewarder of them who diligently seek him. You cannot seek God casually. You cannot be a casual Christian and expect a serious God. You cannot be a lazy Christian and expect a hard working God. You cannot be a prayerless Christian and expect the God that answers by, by fire. Or the God that answers prayer. You cannot. Are you here with me? If you cannot survive a test for him, you will never have a testimony. 
If you cannot say, Lord, in the midst of this pain, I will still serve you. In the midst of this struggle, I want to show you how much I love you. That my love for you is unconditional. I heard a story of a lady. She told me herself, who was caught in a man. Caught in a young man. When they were about to marry, the man had an accident in the office. Got paralyzed. Her friends called her, don't marry a paralyzed man. She said, no, I love him. I'll marry him. When the man recovered, he was in a wheelchair. She married that man in a wheelchair. Because the love was not based on any condition. It was a pure love. 100% love. There are some ladies here, if your money finishes today, they will abandon you. There are some men here, if your breast begins to fall, they will abandon you. I'm telling you. Now, let me show you something. The way you act in a relationship is a reflection of how you relate to God. I'm telling you. You cannot love God unconditionally and love your wife partially. Conditionally. You cannot love God unconditionally and love your husband conditionally. You cannot love God 100% and love your spouse partially. What you cannot do for God, you cannot do for any human being. Godliness is not limited to your relationship with God. Godliness is limited to, is, is unlimited. It's, it affects everything around you. If you're a godly person and God is in the inside of you and you love the Lord with your whole, with the wholehearted devotion, it is shown in everything you do. Are you here with me? This is a year of devotion. It is a year that the Lord is calling you to devote yourself to prayer, devote yourself to purity, devote yourself to his service, devote yourself is a year that the Lord wants to depend on you now let me show you the seven levels of dependability in the church, in every local church, and measure and see where you are the seven levels of dependability in the local church, or in the Christian life number one is the crowd the crowd. Number one is the crowd. Now, I can tell you that 90 to 95% of the people who came to the watch night service see themselves as members of this church. Yet, yeah, that they come to church once a year. They love the ministry of Bishop Affair. I love that man. I love to hear him. The man preaches well. I love the way he teaches. I love the things he does. I love the way he, he handles the youth. I love that man. I love that man. So every year, I'll go to his watch night service. Some people will say, if I go to any church at all, it will be Pleasant Place Church. If I want any pastor at all, there is only one pastor I can I trust, Bishop Titi Affair. So once in a while, they come around. They are the crowd. They don't commit themselves to anything. They are amongst us. So that they come twice in a year. Sometimes four times in a year. Sometimes every other month. Sometimes once a month. They just love my ministry. They have no relationship with the church. They have no relationship with anything in the church. They might not even have a relationship with the God of the church. That's the pastor of the church. 
I just love the ministry of the man. Oh, I am in this church because of the church of you. Without him, I would have left cry. You are in the crowd. You are in the crowd. God cannot depend on you for anything. Because let me tell you something. God will not do anything outside his local, a local church. Anything, listen, God has done things, moved the world, changed lives through the church, through the universal church. But the impact of the universal church is as a result of the local church. All the hospitals that Methodist Church, the schools that Presby has built, and all those things, they, it, it, is, it belongs to the Universal Church, but they were done by local churches. And the local churches were able to do it because of individuals within the local churches. How can a man be saved if the local church is not sending out missionaries? Most missionaries that came to Africa were sent by, by local churches. So you cannot be a crowd in the local church. You cannot say, me, I serve God in my heart. Me, I don't want to be hurt, so I'm in the church, but I don't want anybody to be my friend. I'm not in any department. I don't join any department. I am just in the crowd. Welcome to the crowd. But it's not going to rapture the crowd. It's going to rapture Christians. Committed Christians. One day, one day, on two occasions, on two occasions, different occasions, one day I was just here and then there was a serious conflict within a certain political party. And one of the person, persons involved in the conflict had always said he was a member of this church. So I was there, I got a call from a very powerful political leader. He said, Bishop, we need your help. There is this position that two people are fighting for in our constituency. We don't know what to do. We have come to this thing. But one of them is your son. And we believe that if you talk to him, he will listen to you. Because he talks a lot about you. I said, who is this person? They mentioned the person's name. Having had, had, to be honest, I hadn't seen the person in church before. I just knew about the person, but I had not been to church before. Well, I said, somebody who calls me a father outside the church, I can still not betray him. I said, bring them. They brought him. And when he came, he was calling me Papa. Papa, he came to know them. Papa. Papa. I said, hey, what kind of son is this? <laughs> this one is a very political son. The other time was the archbishop who called me. He said, Titi, one of your sons has done this and this and this, and I need to talk to him. I said, Papa, what is his name? He mentioned the name. I didn't know the person. I didn't want to embarrass myself. I didn't want my spiritual father to know that I don't know the names of my church members. But I knew that this one doesn't exist. <laughs> so, so, when we ended the call, I called a few people. Do you know this person? Do you know this person? Somebody said, yeah, I will. I, we know he came to church some years ago. So I called the person. I got the number. I called the person. I guess he had a true caller. He picked the phone and said, Papa. <laughs> and then me too, I also had to pretend I know him. So I said, son, how are you? Long time. I hope you're fine. Your family is well. I didn't even know you had a family. I hope your family is well. Everybody. I said, okay, come and see me. I, I need to see you. He came. I spoke with him. He said, this is what has come before me. But this guy had come to church like three years ago. And he was not coming. So we are people like that. They are the crowd. Don't be there. It's not a good space to be. You don't have spiritual covering. Everybody needs a spiritual covering. 
You need the spiritual covering. Don't let anybody deceive you that you don't need a pastor over you. You don't need a spiritual father over you. Every human being has three fathers. Your heavenly father who created you and gave you life. Your earthly father through whom God brought you to the earth. And your spiritual father through whom God is taking you back to him. Your earthly father or biological father has responsibility over your physical needs. But your spiritual father has responsibility over your soul. Your body, which responds to physical needs, would die, is temporary, but your soul is eternal. So the man who presides over your soul is a very important man. Don't go around. Listen, the people you work in office, they consult things. Papa told us a story of one of his members. He has preached it openly, so I can share it. Who went for a business deal in Dubai. When he was going, he didn't even tell Papa. He just went. And whilst he was in the boardroom waiting for the people to come, they came in with their tesbis. You know? That's how you call it? Yeah. And they were reciting things. As they sat down and the lawyers were talking, they were just reciting their things. At a certain time, they just said, it is time for their prayer. So meetings will end. They are going to pray and come. This guy quickly now called the Archbishop, Papa, I am in the middle of something. I am contracting the business. The old man told him, it is only Christians that we are only Christians when we are in church. We take God out of our businesses. We take God out of our office. And that people don't... I know someone who was promoted. Promoted. He was fine in the office. Until he was promoted, given a new office. When the person entered the office and sat on the chair, he went mad. I know in the marketplaces... People during Rollins' time when Makola was demolished, the things that were found, the gods, the shrines that were found under people's, buried in people's <laughs> shops. So you are a Christian, you don't pay tithe, you are not committed, you don't pray, and you are competing. Listen, when somebody is a witch, it's a 24-hour thing. Even when the witch is in the flesh, She's still dangerous. As for wizards, when they are even asleep, that's why in my language they are called beyibunsam. When a man has a demonic spirit, he's called beyibunsam. As for women, they are called abeyifo. They, they, they are minors. But a man who is a, wiz, a wizard, is called beyibunsam. In other words, he's a beye and a bunsam at the same time. So don't be in the crowd. The next level are those who are the congregation. These people are committed. Who, who, these people are in the church, but they are committed to nothing. We know they are members, but they don't belong to any department. They don't pay tithe. They don't do anything. Even these two offerings we are taking, they have made up their mind. I will only give one. Not because they don't have one. But they have made up their mind that offerings must be ones. Where I came from, offering was ones. I'm giving only one. What is tight? I'll give my tithe to the poor. And they never 
give it to the poor. Are you here? So don't don't be in the congregation. We know you. You remember. I always said to people, eh, if something happens to you, and I'm announcing it, and you're not in church, and I have to describe you, then you're only a congregation member. People should just know you. I don't need to. I don't need to describe Pastor Bina to anybody. If he's not here and I'm announcing something that connects to him, I don't have to say he's Pastor Bina. I don't have to describe him. That that short pastor. With a belly. Where rivers of living waters flow. I don't need to say that. Do I have to say that? No. Because we all know him. Are you here? So, so being a congregation member is better than being the crowd. But I'm not comparing good and better. I'm comparing bad and worse. It is worse to be in the crowd. But it is bad to just be in the congregation. I remember a young lady went to disco and two men fought over her when we were in the wooden structure. And one man used her head to hit the wall. Three days later, she died. And the family were coming to tell me the girl had died. They came with a picture because nobody knew her. They came with a picture where she took the picture in the church. Oh, she should remember. Look, look, here's the evidence. I said, fine. She was. But how did she die? You want me to bring the dead body of a girl who was beaten in the disco and died in the disco? I could not. Now, look at the next one. The next level of dependability is the committed. These people, they pay their tithe. When you say we are raising funds for something, they will give. We are doing salvation festival. They will give. They'll pay their tithe and give. They'll have a tithe card and everything. But they will not go beyond that. You will not get them to come around to lift up metals for salvation, for triumphant entry. You won't get them to come and sweep. You won't get them and say, oh, the bottles that were scattered, let's gather them. In fact, they will even be offended if you don't give them a good place to sit. They'll come later and still be offended that I wasn't happy the way I was treated at the triumphant entry at all. I nearly left the church. Oh, when I came, you didn't. I sat far away. I sat. That's why you didn't see me. I was telling them that that they must see me. Take me forward. Why is that? They don't know that we are the tithe payers. They don't know that we are the givers. Please, we thank God for givers, but we want the movers and the shakers. You can be a giver without being a mover and a shaker. So, we thank those who are committed. But now let me come to one of the most important people in church. This year, be one of these I'm going to share with you one. Death convicted. Now, anybody in a local church must know why is that local church. God should have told you something to be in this church. God should have told you something. Why are you here? 
Why are you here? When, when Saul, who became Paul, met Jesus on the road to Damascus, the first question they asked him, Lord, what would that have me do? When I was a young boy in a fellowship, I knew God had put, and I knew my seasons. I knew my seasons. I knew when God just wanted me to pray for my pastor. And nothing more. When my pastor is preaching like this, I'll be in the corner praying for him. Whilst others were criticizing him of not of, of being bo- boring in his preaching, I was fasting and praying for him. Because God told me, that's the reason why I brought you here. Then after a while, the Lord said, now you have to serve him. I'll go and take his laundry. I'll run errands for him. In my things, during those churches we were meeting in cinema halls and other, anytime we were dislodged from where we were meeting, in my things, my pastor will come and look for me and say, Gofi, go and look for a place for, for us to worship. And the whole church burden of looking for a venue will follow me, a teenager. But I understood why I was there. I understood why God brought me to that church. Why are you here? One time I met a woman in the church who said, I, I had just been employed in that church. And my first Sunday sermon was powerful. The Lord moved. Things happened. And then, after the service, the woman came to see me and said, ah, man of God, I thank God for a man like you. I've been in this church since its foundation. Up to now, the problem I brought to this church has not been solved. A man of God, I'm giving you one year. If this problem is not solved, I will leave this church. I said, Madam, start leaving. Because you are not in this church because of your problem. There might be something bigger. There might be a bigger reason for being in this church. Because any other blessings you get is a byproduct of your commitment to the Lord. It's a reward. He is a rewarder of them who diligently seek him. Who diligently seek him. God is not going around like a Father Christmas donating rewards. He is a rewarder of them who diligently seek him. Told you, Apostle Kocha. How to force him to be where he is now. He just said that, Papa, God told me to come and serve you. And I don't want to go anywhere than to serve you. He used to drive me around and people said, Charlie, oh boy, you have made yourself a small boy for this city of Pharaoh. Big man like you. As I even had a better car than my car. So when I'm going out, I'll call him. He will drive me around, drive me to places. Today, if I call Pastor Bina, he will shut his shop and run to where I am. If I travel with the white, you see him wearing my shoe for me, massaging my feet. All these men, they don't do these things. They don't do these things for nothing. They do them because they hate something. See, I have an anointed belly. So it's not all the time I'm able to wear my shoes. So all the time I need people around me to wear shoes for me. And this man will be there. Sometimes when we even travel outside this country or outside this Accra, the hotel I live in, he will say, I cannot live in the same hotel with my spiritual father. He will look for an agenda. He will pay it himself for. And every morning, before I get down for breakfast, he will be waiting. They don't, they, I noticed that one more early morning we arrived in the city very late 
early morning, I wanted something to be done for me. I said, I'm going to worry this man. I'm now going to call him to come. When he's resting. Then I called, he paid. I said, son, sorry, oh, sorry I woke you up. I want to come and do something for me. How many minutes can you get here? He said, I'm already here. I'm downstairs in your hotel. I'm at the lobby. Why are you at the lobby at this time? Daddy, I have to come and wait for you if you needed something. He is not doing this to win my favor. He knows that God is a rewarder of them who diligently seek him. God might have told you something. For you to be driving 1 a.m. To get the people who are coming to face this thing to come. And stay here. I have to suck you to go. That I'll go and rest more. Because by the time you come in the evening. The Canada will run errands. Like something. <laughs> go anywhere. God should tell you something. Don't be here for yourself. Be here for God. What, what did he tell you before you joined the choir? What did God tell you? You know the reason why you are the most troublesome person in the choir? There is no revelation. There is no rhema. You are in need. You are in need for the fun. People join prayer department and they want to be prayed for. The reason why they have done prayer department is because <laughs> witches and wizards are chasing them. Being a prayer warrior is tough to be prayed for, but for you to pray for it is for you to leave your problems and focus on other people's problems. <laughs> to be an intercessor, to pray for people, you are sick in your body, yet you have heard somebody is sick, and you have left your body in pain, and you are interceding for someone. The Christian life is not a comfortable life. If you want a comfortable life, join other things. Join the society from your village. If you want a, a place to find friends and to find love and to find acceptance and to find this thing, if we are looking for those things, we in church, we have not said we are sinners. So we are sinners looking for help. That's why we are all here. So when you come here, don't expect a saint. Expect someone who will offend you. But if you are looking unto Jesus, the altar and the finisher of your faith. No one will be able to offend you. No one, because you did not come here to look onto a man. To look onto a man. Oh, I have stopped the church because I saw two church members fighting. Who told you church members don't fight? And they call themselves Christians. They are fighting. Go and ask Peter and Paul. Even Peter. <laughs> Who saw Jesus? had a sharp argument with Paul. If you were there, you would have stopped church. Paul, Paul was a short, quick-tempered man. Look at his writings. All foolish Galatians. One, one, one day he wrote and said somebody, they should give somebody, they should commit the person to Satan. But later when he wrote to say, okay, if he has repented, they should leave him. You can see that he wrote under anger. The guy wasn't an easy man to relate with. He went to missions with someone. When they were beating, the person ran away. He said, you, I'll sack you from my team. The person begged, said, I'll sack you. Eventually, eventually, when he needed somebody, he said, bring that person. He's profitable to me. Do you know why the book of Philemon, the, why the book of Philemon was written? <laughs> because one of the church leaders has also sacked the slave. So they have to write a letter on his behalf. So the church is not a place for saints. 
It's a hospital for sinners. Whose sins cannot be cured in any hospital? Don't be surprised to see a prostitute in the choir. Whilst we do not expect her to remain prostitute forever, we must give her room to change. It's a hospital. If you go to a hospital, eh? I'm telling you, in one hospital, somebody's sickness can be gone as an outpatient department. They will give you paracetamol to go home. Another person will go with a broken bone and can stay in the hospital for one year. I used to wonder why people get born again and we still see character transformation immediately. Because I got born again and I changed immediately. And the Lord said to me, you got born again at the age of 14. All you needed to do was to change from childhood stubbornness. Childhood stubbornness is not an addiction. But there are people who got born again after smoking for 30 years, after chasing women for 45 years, even though they are only 60 years. He said, those people, they see, when we get born again, there's a translation from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. It happens instantly. Once you enter into the kingdom of light, now you begin to see your things proper. And then the transformation begins. So there is a transformation. And then at some point, there's a transfiguration where now you begin to look like Jesus. Except that you come to church like this, your, prop, your sickness is diagnosed. The medicine is given to you, but you don't take it. Like I'm preaching like this and then you are sleeping. Like I'm preaching like this and you are watching uh, Facebook. I'm preaching like this, you are WhatsApping your girlfriend. Once I'm preaching on commitment, you are still on WhatsApp right now. You are not taking the pills. So very soon the doctor will be angry and say, I'm discontinuing with my uh, medication because we don't understand. You are bringing us into disrepute. People will know you have been in this hospital for one year and the sickness we can cure in one month. You are still sick because I want to cure that. Don't come to this hospital again. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, the Bible said that the trees that will not bear fruit, they can be cut off. One time Jesus himself will sack you. He said people leave churches not because, not because of anything. Jesus will sack them. Go somewhere else. This man is tired of you. This man has preached, sir. Go somewhere else. There are some people, and when I hear their case, I say, Jesus, take over from here. I'm a general practitioner. You're a specialist. You take over. I refer them to you, Lord. Come to that place of conviction. Don't be here for being here sake. Don't be here because of your friends. Don't be here for nothing. Be here for something. Why did God bring you here? What did he tell you? Oh, the church is a nice church, oh, Charlie. You see their tent, their air condition. Hey, this bishop, eh, I've been looking for him, son. Now I have found him. Hey, hey. You won't keep long here. It is, if it is me you found, you won't keep long here. You will see that you'll be in this church for one year, two years. I, I, will, I will not come and visit you. And you'll be so disappointed. Wow. After one whole year, this man has not come to visit me. Two years, he hasn't come to visit me. I am leaving the church. Be in Christ, not in church. Be in Christ, not in church. 
Okay, okay, let me be closing. And then we have the core. Members that the church depends on for a lot of things. The core. Do you know there are some people there? Eh? When, when I'm planning so, when the Lord says I should do something, they come to my mind. I know that these people, because these people are there, I can do it. I know that because these people are there, I can do it. And immediately I'll call them. Say, we have to do this. I can just call people in two weeks. I say, we are touring six cities. We are doing cross-country motivational conferences. Six cities. We came from. I remember this team, these core people went with me to Takrade. As I was heading towards the hotel, the Lord said, don't eat from this hotel. Don't eat from this hotel. Usually, I'll go to a hotel where they will sell um, um, buffet. Because I don't eat food specifically cooked for me, except mommy or people that are very close to me. So, in this particular instance, I wasn't the one who booked the hotel. They booked the hotel. They said it's a nice hotel. But once I was going, the Lord said, don't eat from this hotel. When I got there, I was so hungry. Eh? I was so hungry. I just decided that, can they get me some food? Quick, quick, quick. I forgot what, you see how, what hunger can do, eh? I forgot what the Lord told me. They brought me food. I ate the food like rice, like some few spoons, and I started shivering. I got ill, started vomiting, started stooling. The whole night, that night when the team were leaving, the candle said he couldn't leave me, so he slept in a car outside the hotel. In the middle of the night, he got out to go and just eat himself. When he came, he was closing his own car door. He closed the door against his thumb. The next morning, this was a man with a swollen tongue. I said, what is wrong with you? He said, daddy, it's a warfare. The next morning, I told the hotel, who could for me? I want to see the person. This person comes in here, and this is a witch personified. This person wanted to kill me. Which person find? But see, the court team. So now the court team, after I delivered, I delivered in Takrade. And then the next day was supposed to be in Cape Coast. So they took ahead. After I delivered, no, daddy, don't travel with us. The way you are, you are, you are, you are looking. We are taking the lead. So he went. They went to Cape Coast. Was arrested. Later on, I got to Takrade. I, I, I got to Cape Coast. From Cape Coast, we had to go to um, Sunyane. Yeah, Sunyane. Say, Daddy, go to Accra. Let mommy take care of you. We will drive from Cape Coast to Sunyani in the dead of the night and go ahead and start interceding for you whilst you fly and meet us. Some of you would have said, eh, he is flying, we are driving. The man who is leading us is sick. If he is sick, then why, why are we? He's not anointed. They don't know that the, the, the lost anointed is usually the target. It's only in the Christian faith that we put generals forward. That we allow our generals to be attacked. So every pastor needs core people. Every church needs core people. We are there. We will be there. We will stay with you. We will stand for the mission and the calling that you have. We, we don't care the price we have to pay. Because they know that in your calling, we find our calling. In your mission, we find our mission. In your anointing, we find our anointing. 
How many of you are here? Okay. And then we have, we have the called. The called. Members who believe that they are fulfilling their divine mandate through service. So some people believe that I have been called to cook for pastors. I had a sister like that. I'm called to go faster. And then a woman who believed that God has called her to support me and mommy every Sunday. She didn't even care whether what we had. She gave what had finished. Every Sunday, loaves of bread, bucket of butter. Oh! And we were very poor pastors. And that was a miracle. And she didn't need me to visit her or anything. Say, God told me I should do. She believed that that was her calling. One time I read the, um, Bishop Saki came to speak for the lighthouse. He said, my calling is to make Bishop Dark successful. In fact, he said his only book he wrote, he had to be forced by Bishop Dark to write it. Because he said, Bishop, you are writing books I don't have to write. And this man is a lawyer. He said, no, God called me to make you successful. Whatever I can do to make sure you are successful. That's what God called me to do. You need to know your calling. Everybody is called. This year, discover your calling. You are here for a purpose. Discover it. Discover your calling. And let no man pollute it. Let no man... Because people will stay somewhere. Stand somewhere and say, so all these things you are doing, what do they do for you? Oh, this one, they will soon forget you. They will soon forget you. Seasons come, seasons go. Make sure, make use of your season. When your season is gone and you are forgotten, you know God will remember you. No pastor is under an obligation to give you a reward. Because he is a rewarder of them who diligently seek him. If a pastor rewards you for diligently seeking the Lord, he takes the place of God in your life. That is why me, I don't take salary in this church. And that is why God keeps multiplying me. I'm telling you. That's why nobody in this church can ever see this man ever called me and say, can you borrow me this? Can you help me with this? Can you? He's a rewarder of them who diligently seek him. But please note, this is my personal conviction. It will not be the conviction of everybody. I know what God told me. Some pastors, God has not told them what he told me. God told me specifically that if you work for me, I will work for you. So when you are working for me, don't take anything from me. And I will give you whatever you are looking for. And he has done it. Another pastor will do the same and will die of hunger. Because God did not tell him. Are you here with me? Okay. I think uh, pleasant harmony. Eh? You are the one to sing. Get ready and come and sing. And then finally, the chosen. Let me tell you this. Some of you, eh? From, the, your, from your mother's womb, you were chosen for something. And you must discover it. These are special people. Samson was chosen from his mother's womb. Jeremiah was chosen from his mother's womb. Samuel was brought by his mother. 
So they are what we call the chosen. And you can be here and you are chosen by God. There are some, some, some guys here it's because of their calling. God has called them to become pastors. They are chosen for a certain mission. They are here for a certain period of time. But if you don't understand it, you will not even serve God well. I know them. They are here. They come to me and say, oh, daddy, I'm a pastor. I have a fellowship here, but I worship with you. I don't mind them. I don't start calling them pastors. I don't start giving them seats. Because I know why God brought them here. God did not bring them here to pastor. God brought them here to be trained. As they hear me and they listen to me, they will build themselves, they will move on here to go and do what the Lord has asked them to do. Don't go and force anybody and tell the person, so you are called and you are here and you are, you are arranging chairs and they don't even recognize you and they are not even saying, ah, is the man not aware you were a pastor? How can he treat you this way? If you are chosen, you are chosen. If you are called, you are called. If you are convicted, you are convicted. If you are committed, you are committed. But please, I beg you, never be in the crowd. Never be in the congregation. Even I grow from being committed into becoming a convicted person, into becoming a core person. Jesus needed just a lot of people, but he needed some 12 people to build his ministry around. They were the core people. In the 12, he had three. He has 72. The 72, he had 12. The 12, he had 3. The 72, when he's sending people to go and do evangelism, he will send them. The 12, when he wants to have the last supper, he will have with them. The 3, when he wants to go to Gethsemane, he will go with them. Nobody complained. Nobody said, hey, Lord, when you were going to eat the fufu, you knew who you selected. When he came to evangelism, you know. Last time I heard, some caterers in the house said, eh, when they were going to do daddy's anniversary, they gave the contract to outside caterer, and we, those in the house, they left us. And when we have to cook, they will come and call us. You don't know who you are. You don't know, you don't understand who you are. Like my anniversary, you should approach me. The caterers in this house should approach me and say, daddy, what can we do for you? You don't make profit on my anniversary. It's a height of carnality. It is a height of carnality. You want to make profit on my anniversary. Well, I mean, what kind of calling is that? What kind of understanding is that? Like, like if you are, you are a dressmaker here and I want you to sew for the choir, you want to make profit. Why? You must know where you get your blessing and where you get your money. You must know where you build relationship and where you make your money. I have friends whose children are on scholarship at a crab business school at the master's level. I know where. And people ask me, you, you gave it to all of them. Why? I know where I build relationship and I know where I make money. I've lost my sister. It's these friends who will come around me and say, man of God, we are standing with you. What do you need? They're already calling me. What do you need? What can we send you? Do you need financial help? Should we be there? Should we come? Should we do this? Should we do that? They will be here. You must know what you are looking for from your pastor. I carry more than money. Jacob and his brother Esau, 
did not fight over their father's money. They fought over the blessings of their father. The blessings of their father. Are you here with me? They fought over the blessings of their father. You won't think that Christmas, let's do some, let the caterers in this church come together this Christmas and do some cakes and things and go and put it in the mission house, which you did not build, but so your pastor still lives there, so that if they are guests, they can be received. You are thinking you are dead that they did not give you the contract. Do you know how many caterers in this church, if they give you the contract, another caterer will complain. That's right, that's right, that's right. So all the caterers, bring me Banku and Fufu. I hear, listen, this year, 100% commitment. Just be there. Don't look for reward and recognition from any man. From the law. Only him and nobody. Him alone and nobody. Only the Lord and nobody. Peter said, we have left everything to follow you. No man. To follow you. What do we have? He said, anyone who has left anything to follow me, you will receive in this world and in the world to come. Hundredfold. There is no sacrifice you make for the Lord that the Lord does not reward you. There is nothing you give out from your heart to the Lord that he will not reward you. There is no prayer that you offer genuinely that he will not answer. There is no service you will render that he will not make you great. Do it as unto the Lord. Do it as unto the Lord. Do it as unto the Lord. Don't make your pastor the target of your frustration. Make your prayerlessness the target of your frustration. Make your sin the target of your frustration. Make chopping your tight the target of your frustration. Know your pastor. Say, Lord, we repent. I'm telling you, the oil on the man's head is what you must be looking for. The oil what you are looking for. When God brings you on the path of a servant, it is for something more than money. It is for something more than physical reward. It is for something. It is for something more than physical recognition. It's something greater. It's something you want to you want God to bless you. No, it is low. Say, God, don't bless me, but make me a blessing. Make me a blessing. Don't prosper me, but make me a distributor of wealth. Make me a channel where I will distribute wealth. Lord, don't save me alone. Make me a save a, 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 a soul winner. Lord, it's not me alone. It is not about me. It's not about me. It's about the kingdom. Moses, by faith, left the house of Pharaoh. And spent 40 years in the wilderness because of who was not by him. Your mission is greater than you, your blessings are bigger than you, your calling is bigger than you. Don't focus on you, focus on him. Don't focus on you, focus on him, surrender to him.
Lord, forgive, forgive. We surrender to you, Lord. Forgive, Lord, forgive. Forgive, Lord. Forgive, Lord. Forgive. Forgive, Lord, forgive. Lord, forgive, forgive. 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 I have made you too small in my eyes. Lord, forgive. Lord, forgive. Lord, forgive. We have made you too small in our eyes. Made you too small in my eyes. Oh, Lord. Brother Harmony, come upstage. Forgive me. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
Let us look unto you, Lord. Yes. The altar and the finisher of our faith. Yes. Be the center of focus, Lord. Yes, Lord. Be the center of attraction, Lord. Not any man, Lord. Help us, O oh God, to be more dedicated to you this year. Help us, Lord. Help us. To be more dedicated to you this year. In Jesus' name. Amen.